and we're back to part two. Already. Already. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> well, because it was five seconds okay. of our our Cosby edition of Subject to Cross. And now we're going to talk to you about... Did you ever the, watch the Cosby show? I think as a kid. Your time? It was on Nickelodeon. I used to like Nickelodeon. I, I think I watched Nickelodeon because I had a much younger brother. I think Nickelodeon was obviously after my time. I was raised on Sesame Street. The electric company. No, but like Nick at Night, wasn't that where you had all the, you know, cheers and... I don't think... Is that Nick at Night? I don't know. Yeah, I think we might be mixing channels. Probably. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the evidentiary issues. I wasn't a huge fan of the Cosby show. I thought it was all right, but I wasn't a huge fan. I keep... I'm thinking of other shows. I mean, Uh I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah. I don't know why I keep thinking of The Fresh Prince. That's the one that I think I watch the most. I like that show. So... Now we're going to talk about the evidentiary issues. That, this is what Pete has been chomping at the bit to get to. It's champing at the bit. It's not chomping? It's champing. Champing? I'm just here to educate you. What does champing mean? It's pronounce I-N-C-O-N-G-R-U-E-N-T. Incongruent. There you go. Champing? Champing. That's the expression. Everybody says chomping, but it's actually champing. It's a horse. Champing at the bit. It's oh, I would think it'd be someone really hungry. <laughs> champing at the bit is the term. Okay. So Pete is champing, that brings out the Delco and me, champing, champing, champing at the bit. So in any trial, uh, usually what is filed before that trial is what's called a motion in limine, and that's asking the court to either admit or deny the admission of certain evidence at trial. And the motions in limine are made pursuant to the rules of evidence. In this case, it was a Pennsylvania case, so it was the Pennsylvania rules of evidence. A common motion in limine made, and it seems to be in sex cases, is what's called a 404B motion. In any criminal case, evidence of someone's character, a criminal defendant's character, is inadmissible. But evidence of some prior act for another purpose, other than showing the character of that person, is admissible. Which, by the way, it is always sought to be admitted by prosecutors is to get a jury to believe that your client is a bad actor. They have to come up with some other, you know, legitimate reason pursuant to this rule to uh, admit the evidence. And it is a frequent battle between defense attorneys who, at least the defense attorneys who actually read the rule, and prosecutors in terms of prosecutors trying to admit this evidence. and it's a frequent argument of defense attorneys that, yeah, they're saying it's for X purpose, but it's really just to betray my client as a bad guy and have the jury uh, prejudiced against my guy based upon an allegation of something that was never charged, never brought to the police, and occurred five years ago. Um, in this case, 15 years ago is what happened in Cosby. So what the rule says you can't do, the, the rule prohibits evidence of a crime, wrong, or other act to prove a person's character in order to show that on a particular occasion that person acted in accordance with the character. And that's because the Commonwealth has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a defendant has committed the particular crime of which he is accused and may not strip him of the presumption of innocence by proving that he committed another crime at another time um, on someone else. And they're (laughs) going to have to prove that. I mean, in 404B, prior bad acts as opposed to prior crimes... And that's what occurred in this case. They don't have to prove anything. They just bring in the allegations, and then you have to defend them. Right. And that's when we argue. I say you. I mean 
us as defense attorneys. And that's when we argue, well, it's creating a trial within a trial. But that is what they can't do. They can't bring in another crime just to say, well, the person committed this crime on another day, and so this particular crime that we're charging him with and we're prosecuting him on, he must have done too because he has a propensity to do those crimes. That's illegal. That's not allowed under the rules of evidence. Stop yeah, smiling. I can't, That's I can't keep a straight face. The, prob <laughs> the problem also is that you really expect all 12 people in a jury to listen to that. Um, I mean, we're human, right? Before we're jurors and lawyers. You know darn well that when they hear that your client committed a burglary three years ago uh, using you know, a, a, a certain burglar instrument and then they happen to be accused three years later of this offense and they use the same burglar instrument they're going to say oh he did it then he did it now even notwithstanding the instructions i'm just trying to distinguish what you can't do okay, and what I'll you can up. do for non-lawyers you basically tell me to shut up right? a little bit just okay. let me get through this part All because right. it is sometimes a distinction without a leave no don't okay. leave. a right. distinction without a difference uh in terms of certain things that can come in so Evidence of prior crimes for purposes of proving character, not allowed. However, evidence is allowed to show that the person, uh, for another purpose, not to show that the person committed a crime previously, evidence may be admissible for another purpose, such as proving motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, identity, absence of mistake, or lack of accident. So you can't show evidence of a crime to prove that a purpose a person has a propensity to be a criminal because he did something before, now he did something now. But you can provide evidence under the rules uh, for another purpose to show motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan. In this case, it was common plan and scheme, also absence of mistake. Um, it, with They tried to admit evidence of 19 other women and ultimately were allowed to provide evidence of five and the missing part I think to the to the trial courts analysis and the superior courts um, ruling is that even when the Commonwealth seeks to admit evidence of a previous crime for another purpose other than character in this case a common plan or scheme there still has to be evidence, the evidence has to have probative value that outweighs its potential for unfair prejudice. What does that mean, Pete? Well, that means basically even if uh, you can come up with a straight-faced reason prosecutor while you're trying to bring this evidence in, um, if the probative value, if the value of it to the trial is outweighed by the um, uh, prejudice, and by prejudice I mean um, prejudice that is not permitted. I mean, any like I said earlier, any evidence that is admitted against your client is prejudicial. But the fact of the matter is that if the evidence is going to so distract and, um, uh, uh, I don't use the word inflame, but so distract the jury so as to overwhelm the fact-finding process, that would be an example of, of prejudice outweighing probative value. Um, you know, in, in this case, um, you know, the, the first justification, uh, which is common plan, scheme, or design, generally, historically, is used when the identity of the perpetrator is being um, uh, contested. In other words, whether it was my client who committed the burglary. Um, 
and then they want to bring in common scheme plan or design to show that on this occasion and on this occasion your client did that so the jury can uh, infer if they choose that on this occasion your client did it well that wasn't an issue here he wasn't saying he wasn't there with her by all accounts he was there with her and the, the question was whether it was consensual now the absence of mistake yes i can see a straight-faced reason to bring it in um, so in certain respects, the Superior Court could have said, well, it's kind of harmless error that, you know, that was brought in under one of two reasons and it was really a second reason. But they go so far as to justify it being brought in under the uh, common plan scheme or design. They do cite to a case that, frankly, was alarming to me. Um, I would be prepared to distinguish it were I arguing this case. Um, but, you know, this is an example of the fact that now you know prosecutors are going to cite to Cosby whenever we have these cases and they're going to say common plan scheme or design, uh, you know, lack of mistake. Um, it's going to set the bar much lower for prosecutors to get this sort of evidence in. I think that um, it would be helpful to just briefly talk about the fact that this, you know, this allegedly occurred, this crime in 2004, all right, the trials in 2018. Uh, there was actually a, a first trial with our friend um, where there was a hung jury, um, so there was no... That's right. I, I, I think there might be a distinction as to who was able to testify under common plan and scheme or absence of mistake in that first trial. And yeah, then I, I think there's a little bit of memory from a couple of years ago, and I could be wrong, so asterisk this. But I think the second trial, they were allowed... Where our friend did not try our it. Our friend did not try it, and... They, the Commonwealth was allowed to bring in these five women to testify as 404B witnesses. But the problem that I see in a global perspective, again, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Cosby himself. Um, but the, the point is that from a precedential um, standpoint for our cases, not just our cases, but for future cases for any uh, anybody sitting in that uh, defense chair, <laughs> the five that were admitted were between 1982 and 1989. So by the time of trial, those are 30 plus year old incidents. They're between 15 and 22 years prior to the, you know, the allegation that the victim in this case makes in 2004. So from a defense perspective, when you're arguing prejudice, you know, our position is now we have to defend something. How do you, do you remember where you weren't even alive in 1982, were you? Oh no. Yeah. So the you know, the point is, how's he supposed to adequately defend uh, an incident that occurred in a Hilton hotel, for instance, in 1982 or, uh, you know, at a casino in 1984? You have to now, from a defense perspective, you have to defend each of those. And the cumulative effect of them is damning. I mean, one of the things that they said in this opinion that just I don't know how they could say it with a straight face um, was that uh, let me go to page 42. <laughs> Appellant contends to, this is to your point about a prejudicial nature of this evidence. Appellant contends that the trial court failed to make, quote, any assessment of the highly prejudicial nature, end quote, of this evidence. Uh, the record belies this claim. 
the Commonwealth sought the admission of 19 witnesses. But instead they got five. The trial court found the testimony of all 19 witnesses was relevant and admissible under 404, but he sought to mitigate any prejudicial effect of such evidence by limiting the number of witnesses to five. Give me a break. I would even argue that one of them would be prejudicial. And the, the other angle to prejudice under the rules of evidence under the federal rules, the the standard is lower, uh, or yeah, the the standard is lower, right? I mean, you have to the probative value has the prejudice. I'm sorry, let me back up. The prejudicial effect must substantially outweigh the probative value. Probative value means is it helpful in a fact finder determining a case? So it's a lower standard for admission in the federal court, is what right? You're saying. And it's a higher standard for admission in Pennsylvania we used because. To be. <laughs> Right. Well, until this case, but under the the rules of evidence, that substantial word's not there. It's the the prejudice has to outweigh the probative value for it to be kept out, and that's what was so shocking. Upon reading this, that they said, "Yeah, it comes in under common plan or scheme," and and we'll go into why, um, or absence of mistake. Of course, he knew they were unconscious or they were not consenting because they were all taking these pills and he was exercising perhaps some undue influence over them uh, under absence of mistake. But the probative value outweighs its prejudicial effect. That can't be true. Objectively, that can't be true. (laughs) But in terms of, uh, just let me complete this thought. For a change, you interrupted me. I I like that. I like it. I can keep interrupting you. Okay. when we're talking about the fact that the, you know the record belies this claim of the fact that he tried to the trial court tried to adjust the highly prejudicial nature, well, one is you know they wanted 19, I only gave him five. The other one is he gave a cautionary instruction no less than four times during the trial, and again in its concluding instructions, limiting the prejudicial effect of this testimony. And I have ignore the large pink elephant in the corner of the room. In other words, these are being admitted. <clears throat> These four incidents. This from is the 19, judge telling the jury. Telling the jury they're being admitted from 1982 to 1989, telling you about how he drugged women and put his hands all over them. But you are not to use that to say that he was, uh, you know, that he did it in 2004. So what's the point? So the, the point, right? The point. If you're a, if you're a human, which presumably to be a juror, you are a human. <laughs> you're really going to pay attention to the legal niceties of. Oh, this is only we're only allowed to consider that for absence of mistake or common. What's that common scam? Please give me a break. Even if you pay lip service to it, I don't expect you as a juror to to, to be able to, to, to be able to you know how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. It's insane. And the the, the effect of a quote unquote cautionary instruction is to just hammer it even more. So for, if you're in the defense chair, I don't want all those cautionary instructions. I don't want the jury constantly hearing about assault that occurred in 1982, 1983. Someone tells you, don't look over there, don't look over there, ignore don't look the, over there. Ignore the pink elephant. You're going to look over there. there. Right. So let's let's talk about these five other women that were allowed to be admitted. Um, and I'll, be, I'll try to be really brief. Yeah, because you'll lose my attention. I know. Heidi Thomas, um, she was... This allegation happened in 1984. She was an aspiring actress, and Bill Cosby was apparently... I'm doing it again. Bill Cosby. Cosby was apparently... You can say Bill Cosby. It just rolls off the tongue. Monitoring young talent. Um, He invited her to his room in Harris. Uh, Her family went with her, took a photo of her. Um, 
Oh, no, they didn't go with her. They took a photo of her before she went, so to indicate this was a special event. Um, she dressed professionally. She wanted Cosby to know she took this opportunity very seriously. She rang the doorbell, and he answered the door. Um, she was shown to her room. He perf She performed a monologue for Cosby. Ultimately, uh, he was unimpressed with the monologue, suggested that she try a cold read, um, in the script, he gave her her character was supposed to be intoxicated. She performed the scene. He was, again, unimpressed, and he questioned whether she'd ever been drunk, offered her a drink. She said, maybe a glass of white wine. Uh, he gave her a glass of white wine, told her it was a prop, and to sip on it. And she took a sip and then remembers only snapshots of what happened next. Already, do you have yeah, questions? I mean, he's supposedly lying to her about what he's giving her. There was no such allegation in in uh, the the victim's case. Um, he just met her for the first time. You could just draw all kinds of. Uh, met her for the first time in the victim's case. They had an so, ongoing relationship. So these are the ways that we would try to distinguish. You know, because the prosecutor is going to argue it's absolutely it's absolutely factually analogous. Um, you know, the, he's giving her a pill and then he's assaulting her. And how would wasn't that it a pill or was it just wine in this case? Uh, it was. It was wine. There's no pill. So far. I don't remember yeah. a pill on this one. Right. Um, she remembered Cosby asking her if she was relaxing into the part. She remembers waking up in a bed fully clothed. Oh, and this is this is rape. This is an aggravated indecent assault. Fully clothed with Cosby forcing his penis into her mouth. Um, well, it is also aggravated indecent assault, but it's even more than what the victim's alleging in this case. In her next memory, she wakes with her head at the foot of the bed and hears Cosby say, your friend is going to come again. Her next memory was slamming the door and then apologizing to Cosby. The next morning, she felt unwell. Um, she declined breakfast. She went outside with her camera that she always carried with her and took pictures of the estate. And then she... Uh, she went to a show and was introduced to The Temptations. She was in Cosby's dressing room. Uh, it didn't occur to her to report the assault to her agent. She felt that she gave Cosby some signal to think it was okay to do that to her. Um, ultimately, two months later, she called Cosby, um, and she was trying to meet with him to find out what, would ha what happened. And they went to a dinner, um, and she ultimately wasn't able to confront him. She asked the driver or valet to take a picture with Cosby, and she had no further contact with him. She ultimately told a psychologist and her husband what happened. So that is 404B yeah, so, okay. witness number one. So 1984, if you're, if you're representing uh, Cosby, who at this point, I think it was rather, he, he was, for lack of a better word, he was, he was pretty old by the time they were trying him. I remember that. You know, he was, well, he was 66 in 2002, I think. Yeah. So how are you supposed to defend this? How, if this is admitted from an incident that occurred in 1984, where she reported it to no one except apparently, allegedly, her husband and a psychologist. Um, doesn't involve a pill. It doesn't involve a pill. I mean, it, it's it, it's a mess to allow this in. I You know. I, if there were 19 others and he's saying that, that the judge that this um, is consistent that, with that they're all 404b you know there are there are clear uh, ways to distinguish this and again one of the things in terms of prejudice is historically 
you do have to consider time. You have to consider the, the time between the prior allegation and the, the alleged criminal act. And most of those cases, I mean, they talk about how five years maybe is, you know. To you, the word you like is attenuated. Attenuated. But, you know, that, that five years can come in. But this is 20 years. 20 years. It's more I, than 20 it's years. It's just this hard cases make bad law, man. Bad law. So then we have um, victim number two. I just don't want to say their names, even though they're 1986, public. 1986. 17-year-old uh, high school, um, live with their grandparents. Pursuit of a career in acting and modeling. Um, she meets him at the Las Vegas Hilton. She was working at the Hilton, right? Mm-hmm. And he was to help her break into modeling, and someone was going to meet with her and take her picture. Uh, she had a cold on the day she was to meet with him and take those pictures pictures he directed her to wet her hair see what it would look like she was congested and blowing her nose he offered her a decongestant uh, gave her a shot of amaretto and a little blue pill so this is closer this is, you know it's consistent with benadryl right if, if that was a blue pill back in 1986 she took the pill he gave her a second shot of amaretto uh, he sat behind her and began to rub her shoulders she felt woozy um, when she stood up, she could barely move. He laid her on the bed. She could no longer move. And then he starts to touch her and, you know, assault her. Um, she was incapacitated, but she was aware of what was happening to her, and she was powerless to stop it. When she left the hotel, she drove to her guidance counselor's house and told her what happened. She told her sister as well. Um, so the day after the assault, that girl's mother and grandmother went to a performance at the Hilton where Cosby was participating and he called the girl and said why didn't you you come and she said she was sick and hung up and then she went to another one of his performances and heckled him <laughs> and eventually told her grandmother what happened and reported the assault to the police when caroline 2014 so that's 28 years, 28 years after later it happened and again i don't doubt that victims of uh sexual assaults can deny, can internalize, and can ultimately have the courage uh, to go to the police. But here you're talking about, you know, 28 years. I mean... Well, and the problem is with this, then, to assess the credibility, and I, I'm not here to, but from a procedural standpoint and a defense strategic standpoint, then you're calling uh, her mother to the stand and her grandmother to the stand, and you're questioning them about what they can remember and what happened. And nobody's gonna remember anything because it was 28 years ago. Right, and it's all, it's all for the prosecution to prove that Cosby in 2004 acted in accordance to what is being alleged in 1984 and 1986. Yeah, I mean, at least 86, it's similar. The pill. Um, I mean, it would be hard to differentiate that as not being um, a real, uh, um, similar um, to to the allegations in 2004. Um, I think the distinction they make is, again, the time attenuation yeah, right. and also the fact that he had a, a long time established relationship with the You're victim. You're talking about the defense distinction. The defense yeah. distinction, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next one, uh, I, don't, I don't think we spend too much time on these. 82, Harris Casino. Um, she met several celebrities. Oh, yeah, and the other distinction with this defendant, meaning the one that actually went to trial, is that she was the only one of all of them who went to victim, his home. You mean. This victim, I'm yeah. sorry, went to his home. 
Um, this woman claims in 1982 at this Harris in, in Reno that uh, she was offered a pill, which she believes were quaaludes. Um, having no reason not to trust him, she ingested the pills, sat down to play back him, and became dizzy. Um, and alleges that he uh, assaulted her. Um, doesn't get real specific in terms of you know digital penetration, anything like that. Um, does sit down, for instance, behind down on the couch behind her, which is similar to what the victim in this case alleges. Um, then you have 1982. Um, this is number four. Uh, yeah, established model represented by an elite model agency. Um, what does she allege? Remember? She, she alleges that uh, he, Cosby contacted the agency seeking to meet with her, and he she was told that Cosby mentored people. So th the mentoring aspect is consistent. Yeah, and um, she was given a blue pill. She was given a blue pill too. Yeah. This was in 1982. But again, this is over 30 years ago, uh, which is the attenuation angle. She felt angle. pain as he penetrated her vagina. That was, but that was, it sounds to me. That was rape. Yeah, that was rape, semen. Um, and she also felt anal pain. Um, so that's a different type of assault. Um, and then you have one from 1989. That one, just to, mm -hmm. to you know, be fair on number four, um, she actually, in 2002, sought to include the rape in her memoir, and then her publisher wouldn't let her. She, in 2010, disclosed what happened to Dr. Drew Pinsky in the course of um, being on the reality show Celebrity Rehab. That conversation was never broadcast. She also disclosed it to a hairdresser and a makeup artist. Mm -hmm. But and again, you're, one, you're requiring a trial within a trial. Right. The last one in 89 involved alcohol. This is number five. Um, and she felt dizzy and woozy. I guess the implication is he's spiking their alcohol. Um, he has to come to sit between his knees. She, he asked her to come sit between his knees, began stroking her hair, um, walking towards him, towards a hallway, being surprised at how many rooms are in the suite. She has no further memory of that night. Um, she told, I don't, but she, does she even remember being assaulted? Um. It doesn't look like it. Mm -mm. She had a bad reaction to the alcohol. Well, he was stroking her hair, stroking and then she woke hair. up in a hallway. Yeah, well, that's not a sexual assault. That's really odd. So I can only imagine why why they would choose those five. Why the judge would choose those five out of nineteen. Um, the other the other part of this decision that really concerns me. Well, we're just on four hundred four B. The next episode is the opinion. Okay, but and this is the four hundred four B. Okay. Um, I think this 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 decision gives prosecutors and 404B witnesses a roadmap for how to, to conform their testimony um, to become admissible. Um, in, for instance, they they differentiate a case um, that was cited by the defense where, and they're reading from this case where they say the Commonwealth's evidence failed to show that each woman was assaulted in the same manner or had been involved in a sexual relationship with defendant or that he or that he was under the influence of alcohol or drugs at the time of the encounters with the women. To the contrary, the women's testimony establishes at most the commission of crimes or conduct in the past, quote, of the same general class, end quote. 
um, and don't uh, have particularly distinctive patterns of behavior. The danger with 404B witness, if you get an unscrupulous prosecutor who might suggest to a witness from something that occurred in 1989 where you're never going to be able to, you know, it's a he said, she said, strictly he said, she said from 20 years before, is, well, did he give you a pill? Was the pill blue? Yeah, it was a blue pill. Where was he when this assault occurred? Was he behind you? Were you on a couch? You know, it's just questions like that. In what that. capacity was he meeting with yeah, you? Right. He was Did my he mentor. offer to help your career? No, but you, they could lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying all prosecutors are unscrupulous, but I'm sure as hell not going to tell you that all prosecutors are scrupulous, just like there are defense attorneys who aren't scrupulous. Um, it, this is just rife uh, for abuse. And it's I don't, maybe ripe. I see. When I misspeak, I acknowledge it. I don't. I don't see how it's. I don't see how the prejudice of this do, doesn't outweigh the probative value because I think the victim in this case is inherently credible. I think there's a history of credibility. So this evidence is damning and cumulative. In Wait, you think that the victim in the Cosby case was credible? Yeah. Oh no. No. No, from, I think, what I, from the factual background, I'm listen. Reading. If she was that credible, they wouldn't be seeking to bring in 19404B witnesses, um, and their answer to that would be, "Well, he's a celebrity, and we have to overcome that." Um, but no, she had a lot of problems from the civil suit that was going to come in that she got 3.8 million. The fact that she, you know, came back to his house multiple times. Um, there were issues. With I know her there were issues, but from what I'm reading in the factual background in this case. Unless there was an issue, I don't. So you're saying there's issues, but that's overcompensating for a prosecutor's weaker case, and a judge shouldn't allow the prosecution to to pack it on just because their alleged victim has has issues. Well, let's be honest. Most judges, if they're going to make a decision like that, part of their calculus is, well, I don't want to. I don't want to go through a whole trial and then be reversed by the superior court. You know, it's it's not good for them, right? It's I guess it's embarrassing if you're a judge and you have to try the whole case over again. So part of that calculus when they're making a decision whether to, um, to admit 404B witnesses is just that. You know, I'm going to be safe. You know, if you if you have a credible victim and um, you think you can v- convict this guy, prosecutor, have at it. I'm not going to muddy the waters and have it come back on me in terms of an appeal. What this case does, it sets that bar so low that... That concern, that part of their calculus, if they've read this opinion, and I assume that they will, and it's going to be cited to them by prosecutors over and over again, is is going to remove that barrier, that protection. I won't call it a barrier, a protection to, to defendants on trial, because this evidence should only be admitted under, um, you know, very um, specific uh, circumstances. What this decision does is it, it cites to the fact that these decisions are left to the, uh, about whether to admit 404B evidence are, are left to the discretion of a trial court and are only to be disturbed upon a manifest abuse of discretion, blah, 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 right? So what it's saying is that in this case, with these examples, we're not gonna disturb the discretion of this judge. The judge didn't abuse his yeah. discretion. Um, and so now this is law. This means that a prosecutor is gonna be able to argue in our future cases, well, look at the Cosby case. Those allegations were 18 years old, 20 years old. Yeah, but that's they where I think admitted. that 403 analysis is is even more important. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap up 
on the 404B part two of our Cosby case. Uh, let's do a quick bit just to break it up. Oh, I don't. You got to remind when me when you're what king a bit of the is. world. Oh, I wasn't prepared for that. You don't know this. When but. I'm king of the world, <laughs> costume parties will be outlawed. Okay, good one. You don't know this, but. No, you don't know this, but. See, it's not so easy, <laughs> is it? It's not so easy. Oh, I guess in 2000, in 2020, I can say this. We're partners now. Oh, yeah. How about that? How about that? Yeah. What do you know? Well, congratulations. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. All right. Signing off. On to part three next time. Thank you.